Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an interview as we chat with another cast member from 24. Of course, we are very close to starting our 24 recap series going over every single episode in the history of 24. And today we are speaking with Daniel Bess, who played Rick Allen in the very first season of 24, 20 years ago. Can you believe that? And for those who do remember, who Rick was, he was basically one of the two guys who kidnapped Jack Bauer's daughter, Kim, which set into motion all the events that happened on the very first day of 24. And Daniel goes into some great detail here about getting the pilot episode script, what drew him to, uh, I guess, auditioning for it, and kind of some very interesting moments about this is a very early role for him and sort of the behind the scenes factors about working on television, his first sort of role that he had had that he had more than one line. So lots to uh, get through here, lots to cover, and a few moments here that will make you watch some different uh, scenes in that first season a little bit differently as well. So here's our chat with the one, the only, Mr. Daniel Bess. Massive pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. You might recognize him from such shows as Veronica Mars, Grey's Anatomy, CSI, some movies as Not Another Teen Movie, and Munich. But what we're here to talk to him about today is his role on the very first season of 24 in 18 episodes. He played Rick Allen, who may or may not have pissed off Jack Bauer, but somehow he survived the day. So one of the few people that pissed off Jack Bauer and yet lived to tell the story. Maybe. We don't know. We actually don't know the fate of his character, but maybe we can get to the bottom of that today. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show, Daniel Best. Daniel, welcome to the Oz Network. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's exciting to chat to you. I was telling you off air that at the time of us recording this, we're about halfway through the first season. You're very prominent in the first uh, 12 or 13 or so episodes, but it's been 20 years, amazingly, since that season, and something that I'm sure was such a fun thing to be part of, but uh, hard to believe that it's been 20 years since you were on 24. Do, do you have to really kind of calculate that sometimes to realize it's been that long? Yeah, I mean, it's a long time, but it's also so much has happened between them that it's not surprising that it's been 20 years, but I was, <laughs> I mean, I look back, and I'm just like, God, I was a baby. Yeah. I was, I was a... <laughs> I was technically 21, 22 or whatever. No, 23 because I'm 20, 20, 43 now. But yeah, I was emotionally, I was still uh, a baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel that. I, I think I still am too. And it's, you know, it's been 20 years since that point. So tell us how you got the role then of, of Rick, because I believe this was one of your very first roles uh, on, on in either TV or movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, my first time being on camera longer than one line. I did one line on, I got out of uh, conservatory when I was 21 um, and was in New York doing, I did a bunch of theater with some, you know, reputable theater companies and uh, had great agents managers, but I'd only booked one line on a law and order. And um, I left, I auditioned for this small part in a pilot that I don't even know if it was called 24 at the time. And I got it, it was one scene or maybe two scenes and we filmed it in one day. And that was the longest I'd ever been on camera. I was terrified the whole time. <laughs> and then um, went back to New York and then got a call, you know, three to six months later, I can't remember the details. Hey, we want you for 10, at least 10 episodes. We'll fly you out, we'll give you this money to move, uh, you know. 
it was uh kind of base pay like star pay but it was still like more money than i'd ever made i was like a typical new york theater actor doing gator waiter gigs and whatever crappy jobs i could get and flew out to la and started that phase of my life and um it was it was it was amazing because it was also like there was no expectations put on it at that time Kiefer, he had been a huge star but at the in hollywood anyway he was his career was considered somewhat washed up and then he had this huge massive second success which was so cool to see yeah um but it wasn't even until the first season was over that we they really knew it was a, a hit because they aired it over and over and over as marathons on fx i think over that summer and by the time they came back then the ratings blew up but while we were there it was you know it wasn't like a thing yet Wow. Which is, it's fascinating because I've said it on a few times when people eventually get to our recap episodes that I know in Australia, for example, I think it was about six months or so that we had gotten it. So I think there was a bit of hype around it at that point. And when we spoke with Leslie a couple of weeks back, she was talking about how there was that wave in the UK of the popularity. So obviously going over to London and doing a bit of publicity there, because I can imagine when you get the script for that pilot and, and you read that role uh, that, you know, you can't imagine what it's going to be like, but do you remember that script? Like was the element of like real time sort of around it at that point, kind of in that pilot episode, were they sort of planning that at that initial stage? Yeah, that was the exciting thing about it, which they, uh, I could be wrong, but what I remember, the original concept was same group of actors, probably not me, but the, the core group. Um, and then every year would be a different scenario. Right. So it wouldn't be Jack Bauer the next year. It'd still be Kiefer, but it'd be, he'd be an airline pilot who gets hijacked. Or, and and if, if that had worked, it could go on ad infinitum forever. Mm. And, you know, Russell Crowe could do a year and this, you know, anybody could pop in or any, but the, I think the studio was a little too terrified of it because it had started doing well. And, you know, I, I don't think they were wrong. It was a massive, massive success from gazillions of seasons and even had a movie. I mean, it really was also at that time when movie stars didn't do TV. Now it's commonplace you turn on your tv and there's you know every movie stars doing tv now but back then it was it was very unusual and as you said Keith was sort of known for his his movie roles at that point and set up this huge second wave of career for him at, at that point i mean do, were you sort of familiar with his work i mean i guess everyone was familiar with Keith sutherland's work sort of through yeah, the i mean lost boys uh, stand by me like all these huge influential movies that i grew up to you know, I, grew, I was born in 77. So like, you know, when I first started going to movies in the eighties, when I was old enough to Kiefer's all over the place, man, he, you know, he's a huge influence. Which must be exciting then when you realize you're doing a pilot uh, with, with Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, obviously you're not sort of sharing any screen time with him in that pilot. You do eventually get to send, spend some screen time with him, but was, was there much, you know, when you were filming that pilot was sort of he and the other people that maybe you're not sharing with scenes, are they kind of around there? Are you meeting these other people in there or are you doing your scenes completely separately? Yeah, you're doing them completely separately, usually on separate days because they'll do a whole this section. So you'd run into each other every now and then. And it was like, what's going on in your world? Cause we were rarely, <laughs> and it wasn't until like, Kiefer started to save his daughter that I finally got to do some scenes with him. And by then I had met him a few times. So it was a little more relaxed, but, um, yeah, he was, he was a gentleman. He was, he was awesome. And, you know, very much took up the mantle of being a lead and his success, his first win, I think it was at the golden globes or something. It was, yeah, won. he did. Yep. That was a big deal because it was like, Whoa, Whoa, the show's like legit. It's not just this like uh, genre show. It's, it's legit. Was there any feeling like when you're feeling the pilot, you mentioned how sort of you filmed it, you went back to New York before you got that call again, but what was, what was the mood like amongst, you know, particularly the creators and, and, and the, and the crew there, were they getting good vibes about that? This could be something big. I do. I can't really say because I, I literally had never been on camera for more than two seconds. So I was shitting bricks, you know? <laughs> um, and even in the pilot, if you go back and watch, it's hilarious. I wish they had done another take, but there's this uh, scene where like we're taking the two, we meet the girls, I'm like smoking my cigarette. And then I go in, open the door um, to, to open the door for the girls to come in at the, the, the abandoned store that we're gonna like smoke weed in. 
but I'd only been on, I'd never been on camera. I forgot that like you're supposed to, I, on stage, you sometimes present yourself a little inauthentically, a little out towards the audience. And so as I'm running to the front door to open it, I'm running backwards, <laughs> keeping my face towards the camera. Go watch it. It's fucking hilarious. And they kept it. And I was just so, anyway, um, you know, I got better as I went along, but my fear was actually translating perfectly throughout that whole year because I got a little more comfortable, but the, 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 the anxiety I would fear, feel about doing this because unlike I'd only been in theater where you, you practice for three to six weeks before you put it, show it to anybody. And I had to start rebuilding how to do that for myself, which I unfortunately at conservatory had not been taught. And so a lot of that fear came out naturally in the character who's always about to die. Mm. So it kind of worked out perfect because it was a natural blend. Yeah. And that, those opening scenes when, when you're meeting Alicia's character of Kim, I mean, it's kind of natural. Like you, you sort of this guy, you're hanging out with your, with your mate, and you know, he's kind of hooking up with this girl and you're like, Oh cool. Who am I going to meet? And I mean, we can all relate to that. We've all had that in our lives when you sort of, you've met someone that you don't know before and hi, I'm, I'm Rick, you know, hi, I'm Kim. And so it's kind of that, I guess that initial nervousness when you're meeting someone like that, that I guess also you obviously have to be attracted to because there's going to be an attraction between your two characters on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also had no idea where the pilot was going, my sense, at least with the, I only hung out with those three other actors. I didn't really talk to the producers. I'm sure the producers always think like, this is going to be the one, you yeah. know, you got to have some hope. Um, but our sense was like, ah, who knows? That was my <laughs> sense anyway. It was like, we'll see, you know, cause you know, one out of six pilots goes. So, and Kiefer at that time had, hadn't been a, a, a big name at that point. And then when I got picked up, I still was like, well, we'll see. And I had no, I wasn't told where it was going. And so it was only as I got episodes in, I was like, oh, I'm kidnapping someone. <laughs> oh, I'm a heroin addict. Or I had been. I know how to give someone heroin. Oh, I'm doing this now. I'm a drug dealer. Okay. You know? And so my blindness around what is what was kind of good too, because you as the audience, it's hard to read. You know, yeah. like there's nothing being signaled because I, I, I quite hadn't known everything. Um, and so I was trying to get at your earlier question. Yeah. It, it happens on this show all the time, Daniel. Like literally I'll ask something and we'll end up talking about the weather. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, man. You know? yeah, man. Um, but it was, it was, it was, I was so lucky to be a part of something. I, I think it's just a revolutionary show in that it kind of was the first streaming show. Mm. Because it was the first, I, unless I'm wrong, because of the nature of like the kind of what we now see on almost every series of a major Game of Thrones hook at the end of, of an episode, I think 24 was the first one to really pull it off. And because it's all in one day and they started marathoning it in these states over the summer, people would, for the first time, binge watch in the way we all do now on Netflix. So it's kind of this pretty revolutionary show. And also like you, you shared about with, uh, you know, a movie star becoming a huge TV star. Yeah. Yeah. And also in that game of Thrones notion, sort of willingness to kill a major character off without a moment's notice. The first, uh, the first one to do that, like the yeah. Sean, Sean Bean is directly tied to Leslie Hope. And yeah. I know for a fact, Leslie did not know that was happening. Yeah. And I don't know, yeah. even, but it was, I mean, for the, for the show, it was a good thing. Cause it was like, Oh shit. Yeah. And, it, and we all remember, I think, kind of watching it and kind of having that, you know, uh, those moments with the show. And even sort of particularly like 24 obviously followed, a you know, a general trope later in seasons where you kind of have your three arc series, you know, your first eight sort of so episodes. You'd meet a villain, then a bigger villain, then the big, big villain and things like that. And obviously with the way season one was structured where you're kind of going through a period where you don't know if you're going to make it to series and you kind of don't know if you're going to do this and do that. It sort of it feels very natural, even though from what we've learned through interviews, they were kind of writing it as they went along and they didn't know how it was going to go. So it it's still interesting to go back and watch it and it feels like it's a complete arc that they weren't making it up on the spot essentially, but we obviously know it's a little bit different. And that's a lot of Stephen Hopkins. I mean, the, the, the producers, the creators are brilliant at, around all of this. And the you, you see their earlier uh, series, La Femme Nikita, they had, you know, the, the very look and the vibe, they, they already had that going, but Stephen also really had so much creative input in terms of, just the like 
adrenaline at the end of an episode of people like what the <laughs> you know, at the end of and uh, I, I think it really broke the mold on a lot of fronts so i'm very proud to have been a, a very small part of that that cool thing you know do you remember meeting uh matthew matthew carey of course played uh your partner in crime i guess uh dan and and sort of i always like to find out how actors are able to build a sort of a rapport between each other. Cause obviously with different characters, they've got to have a different style of chemistry and that on screen, you know, the characters of Rick and Dan have a certain type of, of chemistry, not, you know, on the length where they kind of have to be besties all the time, essentially. But I mean, kind of remember meeting Matthew for the first time and kind of chatting about sort of how these two characters in that pilot maybe sort of work off each other. I don't know that we talked about it too much. We, I was very lucky in that we just got along right off the bat. He had been, a child actor. I think he had been on like Broadway when he was a kid. And, you know, he really held it a lot more with a looser, like a loose, wore it like a looser garment than I did. I'd never been on front of camera. I didn't, I didn't even know if they filmed with digital or film. I didn't know. Sh- fuck all. <laughs> I really didn't. I was a real neophyte when it came to film acting and his ease and relaxation of just, you know, it's not that big a deal. You maybe say a new line, try improv a little, you know, very subtly. You don't improv a ton with drama, but he put me at ease a lot. And so he was a little more relaxed. I was a little more tense, but it worked for those characters too. My character was a little more really struggling with what he's doing and really freaking out. His is more like, no, this is what we're doing. And this is the guy I am. Um, he's a sweetheart. And we just hit it off. Um, as far as the ladies were wonderful, but I was also like at that time in my life, like pathologically shy of, of <laughs> anybody I was attracted to. And both those women were gorgeous. And I just like could barely talk and it yeah. didn't come across as super shy, but it probably came across as like, cause of, I have a symmetrical face. I probably came off as like stoic, but I was just terrified <laughs> of like, <laughs> of socialization with beautiful women so it was you know um but as as i got to know him him and uh i mean sorry alicia was was wonderful um but yeah i was uh i just looked back and i'm like oh man this kid needs <laughs> like if i could go back and and like tell that kid to relax and enjoy it maybe enjoy yeah. it Cause I was yep. just so tightly wound. I was like a pistachio nut without a crack. You know? <laughs> That's a great way of describing it. Cause I can imagine like when you're, when you're acting on stage and, and say, for example, you've got a scene where you have to kiss another actor, you know, you're on stage for however many, many nights a week. So it kind of gets to a point where, you know, by night seven, you've got to kiss someone. Sure. Okay. We're used to this now. Whereas when you're hitting that mark on camera, you've got to kiss someone, you've got film crews around you. Yes. It's, you've got an audience at a stage, but it's a little bit different. And like you talk about that nursing. I mean, what's that like when you're told, okay, this is the scene where you've got to kiss Alicia, like just, just go for it. Like imagine the nerves at that point, like, fuck, what do I do? And the kissing thing wasn't a big deal because I've done it so many times. I've even had to kiss a dude prior to that. Like I'd done a bunch of, so it wasn't, I, that I could depersonalize. It was, it was more the hyper awareness around this is for fucking ever. <laughs> and if I don't do a good job, my not doing a good job is there forever. Yeah. And I, that turned out to be prescient because this became a, a cult show, you know? I mean, some shows just come and go and nobody's ever going to see them again. But so that kind of meta self-awareness is completely unhelpful. It's like trying to go and ask a girl out and you're thinking everybody's staring at me and this is forever. <laughs> yeah. I just, it was more, and quite honestly, had I been working with all these people for three to six weeks and practice this moment, what I had been trained to do would be to, okay, this is how it goes. But then within that, then you learn to let go and react in the moment and it changes every time we do it. And that's what theater is for me. But this, there's a unbelievable opportunity because you haven't done that so many times, something really charged and exciting might happen or you might suck a little bit. <laughs> and we see this all the time in many shows with both but when it works 
and it, and you haven't prepared it, it can be so thrilling because it's really happening for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and so I had certain moments like the moment where Dan gets shot in the head. I literally was like, I've, I've never been in this situation. I didn't know how to prepare for it. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, what would you do? And then as they said, action, I just, I just did what I th think would happen in this moment. I just gave over to that moment and I didn't say anything. I was just kind of like, I might've looked weird, but I, when I saw it on film, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty accurate. It's it worked. Yeah. Complete shock of like. <laughs> well, I think it's one of those moments of the, of the show too, where I think everyone is shocked as well because the way obviously the Gaines character just kind of goes, you know, you're either dead or you're not dead. Let me show you. Bang. Oh. And then it's just, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like what just happened? Um, so yeah, yeah I it's think kind of. Because I just graduated conservatory and my friends who were a year below, I guess they were watching. And they didn't know who, if I was going to get killed. And when they saw the other guy, they're like, yes, he's alive. <laughs> Which again, as I said at the top of the show, like, you know, you pissed Jack Bauer off. You're basically like, you know, kidnapping his daughter, wanting to do his daughter, all the things that you shouldn't do to Jack Bauer. And yet, you know, he, I think he gives you a stern talking to in a water tank. That's about it. <laughs> because I helped her escape. Yeah, I, I, I was, it's funny because my whole, most of the jobs I've gotten, I'm either a th guy you think is pretty good who turns out to be an asshole or an asshole you think turns out to be a pretty good guy. So it's always a guy you're not quite sure about. And you're so Rick kind of, <laughs> Yeah, well, Rick is like that. He's like, okay, he's kind of a bad boy. Oh no, he's a kidnapper. He's a, he's a bad guy. Oh wait, he's trying to, he doesn't like this. Oh, he's trying to help her. Oh, maybe he's a good guy. You know? So. Yeah. We try to work well, out basically how, you know, at the end of the day, hypothetically, you don't end up going to jail and, you know, everything, you know, let's pretend that Terry survived. So it's a happy ending that the next day, here you are rocking up to the Bauer residence, you know, Mr. Bauer, I'm here to take your daughter out for a proper date. And she's pulling you inside. Damn it, son. This is, you can't kind of like, I can't imagine that the, the Kim and Rick relationship would have lasted that long. I think before I made it into the house, Jack would have taken me aside, put me in a chokehold, stuck a gun in my mouth, <laughs> said, if I ever see you again, I'm pulling the trigger. And then yep. I would have left and gone to like community college and maybe tried to be like a, a guy in task or something. Which, if I got over my heroin addiction. Yeah, exactly. And and the death of your best friend, Dan. Because, I mean, it, it, it is one of those classic teenage boy moments, isn't it? You've got, well, you know, Kim Bauer, like, hello, but then overbearing dad with a gun. What's yeah. worth, which brain am I thinking about here today? <laughs> well, and, and you know, the truth is that I, I'm pretty sure I'd be serving 20, 20 to life for kidnapping and, 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 and associated with murder and, you know. <laughs> all, all the horrible things that happened i'm sure i'd be spending at least a decade to two decades in jail so well, well let's think about that though it's been 20 years since the first season 24 is one yeah, of those shows that often gets right rebooted now. you would be out yeah. right now so should 24 live another day to come about it could be like you know rick's revenge here he comes out he's seeking down kim's probably got a couple of kids right now and uh but you want her back and then jack won't let you and you're the main villain of season 10 yeah, I don't see that happening. I'd love it. <laughs> I'm just putting uh, it out there. If Fox is listening, you're welcome to that idea. Like, I'm sure Daniel would accept it. <laughs> Which, as this, as you keep getting the scripts, and obviously, you know, you're learning more and more about the character. When you sort of get to the the compound, and after you've ended up digging a hole for a couple of hours and smoking a couple of joints, you get to be involved in some action. You know, you're stealing vans, you you're getting into fights, you you're moving along with Jack Bauer after being shot in the arm. At one point, you're giving up on life, like no, leave me, just go on without me. I mean, is that as an actor your first real sort of role? As you keep saying, that of more than one line. This must be like amazing. You're like you're in an action show all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean that scene where they blow up the van. Like Kent, uh, Alicia and I both had like little little blood spots coming out because when they blew it it like literally got shrapnel in us. wow <laughs> and, and and we could only do one take of blowing up the van that's all mm. they could afford and so i remember it was so exciting so i went to a gun range learned how to shoot a machine gun for the first time this is my first time on camera doing this but we only got one shot and luckily when he jumps on me that was we did it all correctly and we got it right. And and meanwhile, there's a bunch of other people shooting uh, paintball pellets at us all over the place. So the dirt pops up, but mm. it doesn't have any paint in it. So it looks like bullets. But I, we did it. It was a great take. Everybody's like, oh, we did it. Fucking amazing. <laughs> and then we go to look at the dailies. And of course, 
I when when uh, I mean your your viewers can't see me, but when I come on camera with them, Uzi, I'm like, Ugh! like Rambo. I look super cool. Well, I got to see the full body shot, and I'll show you on camera. Who okay. Is this? <laughs> A bit of river dancing running, going on. <laughs> I was running in place while shooting my machine gun because I was so jacked up. <laughs> That's incredible. Just. It was, I looked like such a dork, but no, I looked super, <laughs> super, super cool in the, in the edit. So I'm grateful for editors. That, that's the main thing. I mean, this is the thing. You get these couple of action scenes and all of a sudden you're, you're catching a bus and you're, you're back at home basically with, with your girlfriend that we learn you've got, even though you've been macking it on with, with Kim. So, uh, you know, you, you lived a couple of episodes of the high life before all of a sudden you're being involved in uh, undercover cop stings and all that sort of stuff. It can't be all glamorous getting, you know, running with guns all the time. But even that, it was cool. I was like, drug dealer, got this other girlfriend, then the <laughs> cops come and bust me. Yeah, I don't know. I was just happy to still be alive, quite honestly. I was I was shocked that I was there that past 10 episodes, and then I was just happy that I was starting to get some more at-bats in front of camera to just start learning slowly that muscle. Did the offer come, you mentioned about how, you know, did the pilot thing got the offer for, for 10 episodes. At what point did they come to you and say, hey, we want you to stay on for a few more? They didn't they were like oh yeah you're gonna be we're gonna keep you around a little bit longer and then my last episode where we're in jail and i said look just tell them the truth whatever happens happens i had a sinking feeling that was my last episode but nobody told me mm. so there was no like congratulations dan to everybody and a good farewell and a hugs to everybody it was just like Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Never got that conclusion to, to to Rick, did we? After that, no. But I mean, uh, the writing was on the wall for me. I was pretty sure that was it. Um, yeah. But I, I was just, you know, truly, truly grateful that I got to be a part of something like that. You know. When you're getting the scripts, because I believe, sort of, in, in at least in later seasons, when spoilers became a real thing, when the show was a hit, they were obviously only giving the parts to the actors of the scenes that they were filming, right? Like, was that how it was back then? Were you getting the full script? So you were aware of the story happening outside of, of the Rick storyline? You know, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I got the whole script, but I, I could be wrong. So I, I don't have a better answer than that. I'm Which, pretty sure I got the whole script, but I may be wrong. Well, it could be, <laughs> I can imagine then with a show like that, that when you're getting to watch it though, and, and obviously, you know, getting to see all these scenes. You know, when I was on, when we were filming, it was not a hit. And also when we released, it was right after 9-11 had just happened. So we didn't know, like, is this too dark? Like, what is going on? And then it it wasn't a hit overnight in America. It was Mm. like, it did okay. It wasn't like, it looked like we might make the first year. And then critically, it started to become very exciting towards the end of the first year. But it wasn't like a numbers hit. It wasn't until after the summer and then it really started to like become a thing. So I was gone by the time that was happening. So I'm sure they weren't as worried about spoilers and all that early on. Did you ever get a potential hope that they might bring Rick back in all seriousness? Was there ever talk? I was, uh, there was certainly never talk. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know if there was either way. Um, I had like a 5% hope. <laughs> that's about all I allowed myself you know if they wanted like a cool like bad guy return yeah. to just pop out of nowhere to be like hook him again or something you know well, but could that have, could have worked in the second season when I mean arguably Kim's lowest point was season two we won't get into the cougar but you know she's on the run again she needs help and I think she calls a boyfriend I think Miguel or whatever his name was in that second season I mean they, that was a perfect opportunity they we could have revealed that you and Kim had a bit of a chance and haven't seen each other for a while. So, hey, remember me, Rick? It's that girl you kidnapped a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, I think part of the problem for me just in general in my career or in that first decade was my pers- person. I was this really sweet kid, but I was pathologically shy. So I felt great as an actor between action and cut a lot of the times, at least as Rick, not all characters I've done, but the rest of the time I was not very comfortable socially. So I could be awkward or a little reserved or quiet. So it's, you know, it's, it's, 
it would have been much more helpful had I been relaxed and enjoyed myself and been a pleasant personality to be around to then want to bring back, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, this is all conjecture because I, I don't know what other people thought of me, but I do know that I was like really tightly, like, like I said, a pistachio nut without a crack. Like, <laughs> and that, that was personality wise too, what was going on at the Which- time. The thing, though, that is is interesting, if you look at season one, outside of your main cast, so the the main five who are listed as as main cast members, and I believe outside also of um, the special guest stars, so we're talking Penny Johnson, General Carlos Bernard, uh, I believe even Richard Berge got a special guest star um, on that as well. But you were the most, you had the most appearances of any guest star in that season. As I said, you were in 18 yeah, episodes. Yeah, I mean, on some level, I should have been a regular, but I was definitely yeah. making guests money <laughs> yeah you, you, you were in more episodes than mason yeah the palmer kids you were more prominent than the palmer kids for god's sakes all the palmer yeah, drama that was happening so you know that, that i mean that's it's a weird thing that as i said you in that many episodes you survive uh, i mean i don't have the stats on me right now but i can't imagine there are that many people who are, are, are pretty much antagonists of jack bauer in that many episodes who survive the day so you, you hold a unique distinction in the 24 universe that's good. I'll take that. Yeah. Move, move it mean, on I'm very proud of my Thomas show. And, you know, even looking back, despite how wound up I was, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the work. Um, I, I wish I could take back my backwards walking in the pilot, but uh, <laughs> go watch it. You'll laugh your ass off. Well, I need to say at the time, we will air this before our recap of that pilot. And obviously we recorded that pilot many watch months that pilot ago. And so... laugh your ass off. I'm like, I'm running backwards. <laughs> We need to we need to get retcon. My, my face towards the camp. Oh, was was there much confusion? Obviously, your name is Daniel, but you're playing the character of Rick, and uh, Matthew's playing the character of Dan. Now, you obviously prefer to be called Daniel, but was there ever like confusion, like the the Dan and the Daniel? And why why weren't you? Why wasn't your character called Dan? That would have made it easier then, surely. I don't know. I I have no idea. Maybe they just don't want to call the character the same name as the, I don't know. They had already written that in the pilot too, so they didn't change it. Um, and I was cast as, as the rec character that was pre-written. So I think they just stuck with that. A couple of times, I think maybe people were calling out for like touch-up stand. And I'd be like, what? And the other. Um, <laughs> other guy. <laughs> yeah. Did you um, have a, a favorite scene, a favorite, favorite episode from filming 24? Um, you know, I got to say, I was kind of most proud of myself of that scene where my friend gets shot because... I was able to let go completely and live in that moment of what I, I put myself in my bones of if my, my, my buddy was got killed in front of my face, how I'd react. And I, I was really proud of like, just something weird came out and it happened. And that's always my favorite when I act, um, is when the organic comes, comes like the, almost the unconscious comes to conscious and it just happens. Like it's not pre-planned or pre-thought out. Um, obviously we have to know our lines. We have to, you know, we know the gist of what's happening, but then the, there's a certain magic that can happen. Um, and I, I, I love the shootout. That was a lot of fun. I'd never done that before. Um, Alicia was a blast to work with. Our scenes were great. Um, I think, yeah. I really like Michael Massey too. He was a great bad guy. Yeah, amazing. We're actually, we're discovering how great, like how, how we forgot how great the character of Gaines is which and i think he kind of gets lost because he was kind of the first villain that with you know after how many hundreds of episodes and how many other villains it's kind of you forget how good games each actually is he's fucking scary man yeah and he's a sweetie pie in real life he became a close friend but like he was scary yeah absolutely i i, I yeah watched it still and i get scared i have to ask can i at least get a, a an opinion on on jackie maxwell aka janet because uh, spoiler alert for people when they eventually listen to our episodes we are massive janet fans and it's not for the reasons you think we just think that this is like the ultimate ragdoll character no matter what janet does she gets shat all over then you think there's <laughs> going to be a good story nah she's getting hit by a car she's alive nah she's getting killed by her fake father she's getting yeah, injected up with everything. heroin yeah exactly like she <laughs> can't catch a break and yet the producers decide to drag her on for about a quarter of the season rather than getting rid of her in two it's yeah please please tell me poor old jackie like just was having a laugh about it the whole time yeah she i don't think she took you know being an actor like crazy seriously like in a good way like i don't think she um i know at the time she was um 
she's starting to get into yoga really have heavily and then i believe she married a very well-known yogi and they like run a yoga studio now and i think that's her life i think she enjoys it immensely um she seemed to be having fun that's um, what we want to hear because janet yeah. we're janet fanboys hashtag team janet that's all i want to say yeah. you know <laughs> I mean, she, she's stunningly beautiful but i think she was just like you know i mean we we're kids man i don't know how old she was but i was 23 but with the mentality of like a 15 year old and you know <laughs> maturity wise and god knows how old they were i know uh she was i think she was still a teen at the time 19 or 20 or something yeah yeah which um, I mean, does that make it fun offset then like is it kind of just because you're you're all kind of of that age where you can go out and have a, have a drink or is it sort of very professional well, like i said it should have been had i ha, could i go back i would have had a blast but i was so tightly wound that i just um yeah i just it makes me a little sad to look back and just like you 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 like you know the world's your oyster in that moment like maybe enjoy it a little bit 20 year uh, reunion this year daniel there's there's all that time now you know uh, <laughs> yeah and, well the, the my party days are long behind me but yeah you know i'm uh i'm happiest i've ever been now sure. right but i i do i do uh you know there's no undoing the past but i i feel bad that like that kid couldn't enjoy it that 23 year old kid couldn't enjoy it a little more while it was happening. Although there were moments of real passion and love and enjoyment. That's good to hear. That's good. To hear. And, and all four of you sort of in that little kidnap gang, let's call it that. Um, I mean, outside of the show, obviously, you know, Alicia has gone on to, to great things, married to Dion Phaneuf, so doing all right there. As you said, Jackie's uh, married now to a, to a yogi. Yourself, you're obviously doing very well for yourself in, in life and your marriage. I don't know what, what uh, Matthew's up to, but, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, he's, he's also uh, He is a full-time – he's in the union. I'm not sure if he's a key group or he, he's, he works behind the camera. Right. Professionally. Getting you know. shot takes it out of you. It's basically like, yeah, you know, I've got shot in camera now. Let's go behind it. But I think it, it goes in line with what I was saying earlier is that he, he just seemed to be much more relaxed. He was raising it from a kid. You know, he'd been on Broadway when he was a child. I don't think he saw it as this like, this like gold, this golden ring or something, you mm -hmm. know? And so I think he loves the business and this is just a different aspect of that. I think, you know, and it's a lot more job security on the other side of the camera. That's for sure. After 24, plenty of different appearances uh, in, in movies and TV shows, but also uh, looking up a bit of a musician too, Daniel, I was looking at some of your uh, your songs. You released an album uh, about a decade or so ago now as well. So was that was always a bit of a passion that you just got into or was it something you also always wanted to pursue at the same time? I'd always played guitar. I had a rock band in high school, but I'd never written anything. And then after 24 it ended I, I wrote my first song from my grandfather's funeral and it came out really good and then i wrote another song and then and they just started flowing and then somewhere around 15 years ago i ran into my buddy mike biardi who had a uh he has a label called sound file productions and they're huge they do like gazillions of song placements for shows and he basically gave me a record contract and we did a an album and um my it's kind of like it's a really kind of bizarre it's kind of in, it's indie in nature but it's kind of a combination of hawaiian and country but mm. like independent versions of that so like uh there's either a lap steel or a pedal steel on on every song <laughs> and i you know a bunch of the songs got into reality shows and a couple of my songs got onto justified and right um, but i was it was very clear to me that i had no interest in being a touring musician or the life of that my brother did it full time and I was uh, not interested. No rock star life for Daniel Best, basically. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind the lifestyle for a little bit, but um, <laughs> just the, I knew what it, it would it would it would mean like years in a van on the road. Like if I were to ever get a shot at making it, and I'd already worked my whole life to try to start making it as an actor, and that had started, um, and that just didn't seem so. It seemed like like the true meaning of the word amateur where you do it for the love and and that's why i did it i didn't need i, I enjoyed getting the placements don't get me wrong <laughs> um and the legitimacy that kind of gave it but it's the art of songwriting that i really love and i'm i've had a second album in my back pocket you just like keep i keep adding songs and taking away songs so hopefully in the next couple of years i'll release that too but i'm more for the love of my 
just writing songs then. Or... Great. We'll keep an eye out for the album. And you mentioned the van, van life. I mean, you could have gotten Rick and Dan's van. And yeah, then, exactly. You know, 24 fans would have, I mean, I know, a lot, let's be honest, Keep Sutherland, I'm not just taking away, taking away from his musician career, but I, I guarantee you a large portion who go and see him live are probably 24 fans, right? So if you, have, yeah. if you have the van from 24 season one, you're going to draw the 24 fans in to see you live oh, if you feel that way, you know? Uh, it works. Bring Matthew. He can he can film it and he can get up on stage. You can have the Rick and Dan reunion, you know? Okay. Pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I remember because I'd always bring the guitar to set and be fiddling around. Kiefer was, would always be asking questions and he was obviously <laughs> very much a musician junkie. Yeah. Um, he still, I still yeah. believe he's touring. Like uh, I, I don't know after um, Designated Survivor got cancelled. Uh, I, I know he's been touring a little bit with that. But um, do you, I, I always like asking this to anybody. I mean, you mentioned you sort of obviously, you know, didn't really make the most out of some of those opportunities. But did you ever get to go and have a drink with Kiefer? Because like, I, I know Kiefer's a, oh, you yeah. know, got a reputation. Did you drink him under the table? Tell me you were able to drink Kiefer Sutherland under the table. Come on. Uh, I don't think very many people are able to drink Kiefer under the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I no, yeah, we went out. Had, with the, I remember with Leslie and the whole, the whole the Stephen Hopkins and the whole crew on one of the shoots. It was, it was great. They, they were a lot of fun. Um, I didn't – I can't say I knew Kiefer well, but we had a couple nights partying with uh, other members of the cast, you know. You remember those people. nights? Those ones are those. Yeah, are the yeah. Ones. You know, I think one was even karaoke, and everybody was doing karaoke, and it was it was just fun with the casting crew. Did you did you uh-huh. sing a song with Kiefer? Uh, not with Kiefer. I I think I sang. Why don't I sing? Why don't we get drunk and screw? I think that might have been my song. <laughs> Pretty sure that was my song. Yes. <laughs> was it was it just you singing? Did you get anybody else up on stage? Maybe it was me singing with like a fake uh, plastic blow up guitar. I think you know it was just a karaoke bar. Yeah. Why not? That that works. Uh, I mean, what are you up to now, Daniel? Are you sort of what, what's going on in the life right now of uh, of Daniel Bessie? Still still acting? Anything that if you are that, that's coming out anytime soon, or what else are we working on? You know, technically, I'm still an actor. Um, my career kind of started fading off really about seven years ago, but it started the writing started to be on the wall. Just I don't know my type, my age. I don't know what my quality. My work has gotten better and better. I still do a ton of theater here in LA. But um, I got married to Linda and, you know, I wanted a family and she's an actor too. And she does really well some years, but some years she doesn't. And I felt we needed some more security. So, you know, I, I've had some success over the years uh, flipping a few houses. Great. I, 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 I move in, I do the work mostly myself and I sell it. And so I decided to do it on a big scale. So I took a huge loan out on my current house and did it with my partner who's a construction worker and it was all going well until it wasn't one, one, one went South and, and I got my real estate license so I can make more money while doing it. So I could be the one to sell it. And I, I was like, I lost a bunch of money in one of the flips and had to double down on real estate and did that when first few years, my son was born, but just hated it passionately. I was still doing acting on the side. And so I still audition all the time, but, uh, so I, I knew this was not, good because i was just it was like a hundred pound weight every time i walked into the office and i i was good at it but i didn't enjoy it and um so two years ago i applied to grad school to be a a therapist i i I got sober 15 years ago and i like i sponsor a ton of dudes and in that part of my life and and um get so much joy and pleasure out of that world um recovery and so i i went into grad school to be uh, a therapist and uh, six months I'll be, I'm already doing my clinical training now and I got six months to go and then I'll be, a uh, have a associate's marriage and family therapist, uh, license. Wow. And then a couple more years after that, I'll be fully licensed, but pretty much in six months I'll be doing that. And you know, if work comes along, hopefully I can work a life that'll accommodate that. But, um, unless I get one of those rare, huge second shots, like I don't, uh, realistically i don't see like a huge uh full-time acting career in my future but you know i'll say i'll say it i'll say right now i'm confident enough to say yes it will happen 24 reboot i'm telling you now villain in season 10 it's gonna like it would make it absolutely perfect that just you know from season one through to season 10 he's you know rick's revenge i I, I love it i'm down (laughs) just call it rick's revenge like literally yeah 24 live another 24 rick's revenge you know everybody wants it like you secretly were in love with janet 
you're actually very sad that she died and therefore you're like, oh, I actually realised this in jail, how much I loved her. So you're out to avenge the death of Janet. You blame Jack Bauer. And or I just come out of jail after 20 years covered in tats with a jacked up like jail body. <laughs> and like going to take them all out. Like I just go yep. dark, dark, dark. Yeah. You know? Just just mow people down, everything along those lines. Uh, can, can people follow you, check you out anywhere, Daniel, whether it be uh, any music maybe coming out, as you're saying, if you do release a second album or any social media that you do use that you want to plug today? Yeah, I don't, I don't have, the only social media I'm on is Instagram, but it's mostly like personal stuff, but it's public, you know, stuff with my son and stuff. The music you can see on Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. You know, it's just under my name, Daniel Best. Uh, songs from the Far West. Um, you know, all my TV stuff you can see on IMDb. I do a ton of theater here, mostly with Antias Theater Company with my wife too. So once we can do theater again, I'll be doing theater around LA for, for fun. Great. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure some acting jobs will come. I still audition a lot, so I'm sure I'll be on camera as the years go by. I'm I'm hoping with I'm totally gray for those that can't see almost salt and pepper. So <laughs> I'm hoping like maybe when I hit like my fifties I'll get like a second kind of like uh second wind as that type. You well, know? well I have to say it's it's actually interesting because you know, to me, besides like your hair color is different, but you do not look any different from 24. So it's kind of like this weird thing That's where. That's kind of the problem though. I think yeah. my face has to catch up. Like if The baby face started, with the gray hair. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the you know, Clooney could pull it off, but he, <laughs> it, it didn't quite work for him until he hit a certain kind of gravitas level. Yeah. And now he's Mr. Gravitas, even though he was anything but in his earlier years i mean you were in er2 weren't you i mean it's the er thing right it's the it's the gray hair kind of moving forward so uh, yeah man well he's 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 one of the few man that made it from tv to film yeah people forget he was in it i mean er was like the the first sort of i guess adult show that i loved as a kid and yeah like that was it's er's to me one of these shows that people i feel even forget existed and it's it's a shame because it's a it's a great show but it was a big deal yeah Oh, the biggest, it was a Game of Thrones of the 90s. I mean, it was what everybody oh, talked about and watched. Yeah, that, that for drama, ER was the Game of Thrones and, you know, Friends was the comedy. Yeah, 100%. Which, yeah. Go back and watch ER, people. I, I would love to say we would cover it here on the Oz Network. We're just about to start, you know, 10 odd seasons of 24. I don't know if we've got 15 seasons of ER in our uh, availability right. anytime soon. One day, but I would to love to. End, I feel honored just to have been a part of one thing that was like a cultural marker, you know. Mm. I had a small part to play in this thing. That was a really cool thing. From the very beginning um, too, which it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because kind of hearing that story about that pilot, then learning about that to, to ultimately what it is now. I mean, anybody mentions 24 Jack Bauer, they know exactly what you're talking about. But when you got that pilot, it was something that you could not imagine what it was going to be uh, in the future. Not at all. And, you know, it's just cool to have been part of, quite honestly, as I, whether I get another, I maybe I'll get a huge another series in my future, and, and maybe I'll just be a, a happy dad, husband, and, and therapist, you know. But whatever happens, like it's still cool to have been part of something. Well, we're, we're like, very happy that yeah. you've given us the time, Daniel, today to, to learn about this because I think I sort of mentioned to you off air before we started whether or not this is something that sort of still gets uh, brought up and, and, you know, stories told and everything. But, no, we definitely appreciate learning a little bit more. I'm going to go right now and watch that pilot episode just so I can see this sort of moonwalk. Yes. Uh, and also now I know that uh, how the legs were working when you're holding an Uzi basically blowing it, up. And you'll see me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was quite a dorky uh 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 pullback to you saw the whole picture yeah. i look forward to it daniel really appreciate your time mate thanks very much for joining me on the show today thanks ben and a big thanks to daniel for his time absolute pleasure to chat about him and we are so excited to be able to bring you the first season of 24 in only a matter of weeks now colin and i are about halfway through recording it at the moment we're having a lot of fun doing the episodes and ultimately of course the the scene that he's talking about in that very first episode we uh, long recorded that episode so ultimately it's going to sound a bit weird when you hear that that we don't bring this up from this interview but uh just thought i'd kind of retcon and make that 
known right now why that won't get brought up. We have more interviews to come in the lead up. Stay tuned. Some exciting guests coming your way outside. Of course, our 24 coverage. We've got Breaking Bad starting soon. Lost is returning and our movie recaps happening as well. Remember, as you heard at the beginning of this episode and at the end of this episode as well, we are on Patreon. If you wish to support the show and also get some exclusive content, the only way you can get old Survivor Oz episodes as well. If you've been with us since Survivor Oz days, now available if you sign up to one of our tiers on Patreon. Simply head to patreon.com forward slash oznetwork, find out the details there and get involved because we like your support just as like we supporting you by giving you these episodes. Made sense in my head that part. Thanks again to Daniel. Thanks again to listening. My name is Ben and we'll speak to you next time on the Oz Network. Good night. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.